Did you know that this week is a major competitive American sporting event? Instead of XP, they have scores. Instead of combo moves and puzzle solving, they have plays. And instead of dying, they have losing. And instead of save points, they have yard lines. How can Christians who love fantasy show love and respect to other kinds of fans who enjoy sports? Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com, in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory. I'm E. Stephen Burnett, the publisher of Lorehaven and co-author of The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell, and I am cheering for Taylor Swift to win the Superior Bowl. And this is episode 198, How Can Christian Fantasy Fans Love and Respect Sports Fans? I'm glad you said Superior Bowl because I think that we are contractually <laughs> obligated to say the big game, TM, because the uh, acronym for that sports league that we won't talk about, uh, except we are going to talk a whole lot about sports uh, in this episode, uh, that sports league said you can't say the words uh, stupor brawl. That's a rhyming uh, evasion there. <laughs> unless you pay us a whole pile of money. Uh, we are going to talk about sports on this episode. Why in the world are we going to talk about sports in this episode? Haven't you ever heard of fantasy sports? Well, that's the in. Well, it's not quite the in. Um, I don't even quite know what fantasy sports are. I think it's people who get out little trading cards and they try to figure out whether your player uh, rolls a, a critical hit or I, I don't know how that exactly works, but I just made up this tabletop game now, Zach, like kind of the Dungeons and Dragons type thing called uh, Field Goals and... Uh, Point kickers. I don't know. I, all the football metaphors kind of escape me, and this is just going to be the show, folks. Uh, hope you're uh, hope you're in for it. Well, there's also another game called the Superb Owl that you know that's not trademarked, as far as I know. That was it a, totally a sounds meme. like a Wizarding World thing. Okay. Yep. So yeah, if if you are the best owl, you are the superb owl. So anyone who's wondering uh, should know that I don't think Zach and I have any big game plans for this Sunday night. Uh, I guess we're supposed to say, along with all the other NPCs out there, oh, I just watched the game for the ads. I just watched the game for the ads. Beep, <laughs> bop, beep, boop. But I don't even do that. And yeah, I don't even really get a whole lot of ads off of the YouTubes afterwards. I guess there are some funny ones, but yeah, y'all, it's just not my thing. But because it's so many other people's thing, it just made sense to talk about it in this season of everybody talking about uh, scrolling down here. So I remember who exactly is playing in this year's big game LVIII 53. That's the stupor brawl of the 49ers versus the Chiefs. And Zach, I, I looked this up all by myself. Yeah, I was about to look it up because I, I just know it's, uh, it's the San Francisco. Yeah, I just know it's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Kansas uh, City. Yeah, and it's she, a giant conspiracy and all that stuff that uh, we shan't get into. The Pentagon is using them to sell so many football jerseys right now. It's uh, it's incredible. It's uh, how do people not realize what's happening? I'm seeing the groom meme of, you know, plotting out the world <laughs> domination scenario. And then the third board is just full of question marks or, yeah. Uh, and then the fourth one says profit. Uh, this makes no sense. But uh, speaking of profitable stories, though, I I'm going to tag our top sponsor, uh, Enclave Publishing, once again, because their latest release, Mortal Queens by Victoria McCombs, is due out today, uh, the release date for this episode. Here's the description. They vanish without a trace, disappear into the night. Each year on the center island, one girl is chosen to be the next mortal queen of the idolized Fae. The mortals praise these lucky girls, but their daughters are never seen again. 
The Fey Realm is eternal night, where disputes are settled by chess matches, power is acquired through the most devious kinds of trickery, and seven elusive kings roam. The Fey hide their faces behind masks and guard their glass hearts to keep them from shattering. But beyond the veil of this luxurious paradise, a dark secret simmers, for their queens have disappeared. When aspiring artist Althea is selected, she is desperate to avoid the same mysterious fate. With no one to trust, she conceals messages in paintings and receives anonymous replies from a stranger who slowly reveals the tale of a girl who outwitted the Fae. Only if she is clever enough will Althea survive the fate of the mortal queens, as long as the king who cannot love does not claim her first. And Mortal Queens is book one of the Fae Dynasty series by Victoria McCombs. It has arrived on February the 6th, wherever books are sold. See that amazing cover in our show notes for episode 198 or go to lorehaven.com slash podcast to see all of our sponsors at the top of the page. Zach, that had nothing to do with sports, except I did see that they were playing chess games in the Fae world. So games are common to the real world and the fantasy world. Uh, there is our in for this episode. Meanwhile, however, I do have a mission update for Lorehaven. Uh, we do reviews every Friday, and our last review was for a middle grade uh, time travel fantasy called Secret of the Lost Dragons. I will spoil our upcoming review this Friday. More dragons. Apparently, there's a theme. The Fox and the Dragon is our next review. And you can subscribe free to get all of those updates. We try to find the best Christian-made fantasy that has been published. We also send you an exclusive invitation code to join the Lorehaven Guild so that you too can join a quest party and read with other heroes uh, some of these amazing books that we have chosen, books that we know we love and that you are pretty sure to love as well. So just sign up free at lorehaven.com. All right, we know that anytime you get together with the bros and the gals, and whomever, the household pets, like everybody watches sports, right? And we all flush the toilets at the same time across America. And all the, all the stats are true, but all the concessions come out too. You've got to have a concession stand at the big game TM. And so here is mine. I'm bringing in the nachos uh, because I am not a sports fan. I know this is just absolutely mind-blowing, breaking news here. But the difference is, I kind of wish I was because with some exceptions, they seem to be having fun out there. It, it is a fandom. And I, I love this little meme. I might put it in the show notes uh, that went viral not too uh, long ago. Maybe it was on Reddit or something. Someone said, apparently there's an important episode of football on this weekend. And the response is, yes, the football fandom is going nuts. Lots of cosplaying going on. Tickets to the con are outrageous, though. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up this time every year. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's a good joke that kind of bridges that divide between fandoms. You know, you compare the sports fandom, which seems really alien and out there to a fandom. And then it helps to, I think, unlock uh, some mutual understanding between the two groups. And yet I know Zach, that sports brings up strong feelings in people. Well, every fandom does now, you know, toxic fans, uh, uh, eager fans, over eager fans, and all the rest of it. But I think sports in particular, especially among Christians, like there are strong feelings there. People are just kind of sick of them sometimes. I've been sick of them in the past. Right now, I'm at best agnostic. But there's a lot of uh, personal stories actually tied up in there, especially with folks who enjoy fantastical stories and you know may have been the last person chosen for the team and just couldn't wait to uh, get out of gym class. And our point here is not to um, cheerlead either sports uh, fandom or fantasy fandom, but we're we're going to look to scripture and tried to understand the sports fans and uh, we might even know something about uh, the games that we may look up literally right, right while we're recording the show. Any, any other concessions, Zach? 
Yeah, I got, I got a couple, two or three here. So first of all, I don't even know when the big game, the Superior Bowl, is happening. Is it? Is it tomorrow night as we record this? So Sunday, no, no, February no, no. 4th? It's it's Sunday, February the 11th. I'm pretty okay. sure I got the timing right. Um, okay, because like yeah, yeah, tomorrow yeah. night, uh, so Sunday the 4th, I... We have a partner meeting at my church, and I was like, wait, how am I going to do... Are oh, they no, no, play no. It Sports the is the other big religion. No, a church <laughs> would never. A church would never. If we knew Christ was returning on the night of the Super Bowl, we might file for an extension. And yes, it's true. <laughs> uh, Super Bowl, as we record, uh, is is next Sunday. But for listeners okay. who listen to this on uh, Tuesday, the 6th, the release date in February... Uh, it is Sunday, February the 11th. And and I don't even know who's playing. Like I said, I made a joke about it's Taylor Swift's boyfriend, which in the, my other concession is I really don't know anything about Taylor Swift. I The main song that I know from her is one where they intermix a goat screaming uh, that my daughter's math teacher showed in class one day. We We play it all the time in my family. So I don't really know anything about either of these fandoms. And it's weird that they're colliding now i thought she was going to be like playing at the halftime show but apparently she'll be overseas and is she going to make a dramatic entrance is travis kelsey going to propose to her you know after they win to me that's the more interesting side of this is sort of the human drama like i i know nothing about either of these i don't even know the other team is the 49ers it's the I, I, San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs. Okay. So it's so. minors versus Native Americans. <laughs> Politically incorrect either way. Now, my other concession here is I'm actually not an anti-fan of football because I went to Texas A&M and pause for everyone to whoop. That's an Aggie listen to this. Some sort of sports thing that they do as, yep. a, as a fandom conditioned response, right? Right. And you you uh, you weren't allowed to whoop until you were a uh, junior or senior and you never knew you wanted to. Oh, until those they told are you the you rules. Couldn't. That's the yep. magic system. Mm-hmm. Yes, very important. Very important. <laughs> and if you got caught whooping as a freshman, they would make you do push-ups. Like anyone can make you I do I thought that they might so. whoop you because they were the ones who were allowed to whoop and so you would get whooped, but you're not allowed to whoop until that's, you that's prove whoop. yourself. Yeah, whoop, whoop. versus Okay, whoop. okay, you have to yep. whoop. Oh, very, very I'm, important. And I, I won't whoop difference. on the podcast just because it might blow out this some This is a Christian drums, podcast, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... uh but there I was a super fan of Aggie football. I was at every single game. I think I maybe missed two or three the whole time I was a student for all four and a half years. Um, and even in the rain, even in the cold weather, even in the scorching hot weather. And at Aggie football games, um, all of the students stand the entire game. So in the student section, there's, you know, like the bleachers, but no one sits down. Everyone stands up. And that there's a very long tradition for why that I won't go into. Yeah, they um, won't let you stand all the time at church. And if the church leaders <laughs> ask you to do that, they call you a legalist. I see yeah. how it is. Yeah. And uh, we, we had a word for people who are anti-fans, which is a two percenter. So that means like you're, you're only giving two percent, uh, you know, when you should be giving a hundred percent or you're more accurately only two percent of the student body doesn't care about football. Uh, they had another term for you know, true fans, which I won't repeat because it's not, not quite a polite term for a Christian podcast. But uh, even to this day, I still watch Aggie football. There are some seasons where I watch more of it or less of it, uh, just depending on what else is going on in life. But Aggie football is, is pretty much the only sport I keep up with at all. And I really just watch the games. I, I don't know about, you know, Coach Jimbo, whoever, or, you know, Johnny football <laughs> guy that was uh, really popular about 10 years ago. I I don't really follow much of the 
you know, the ins and outs behind the scenes, but I, I do still enjoy watching the games. Um, that, that was a very special time in my life, going to the games with my friends, like losing my voice, showing up at church the next morning, either ecstatic or like really depressed. And we're all like mourning together. If the Aggies lost, especially if it was, you know, to a, a big rival, like university of Texas, Again, I'm going to pause for the Aggies to hiss. That's, that's our response. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this how you do it? Okay. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, I really just, I, I just don't keep up with other sports, but I, I want to enjoy sports is what I'm going to say. Like, I, I want to get into it. I, I like to, you know, get excited. Uh, Naomi likes to cheer for the underdog. So whoever we're watching, she just like, okay which team is ranked lower and would be more exciting and interesting if they won. And that's who she always picks. And I'm like, that's not a bad reason. Like that's not a bad thing to, to cheer for. Um, and then sometimes I'm a vicarious fan. So we lived in Houston for a few years and the Astros the whole time I was there. Didn't get close to the um, world series, but then a couple of years after we left, they, they won the world series. And that was after hurricane Harvey, you know, decimated the city. And so I was really excited alongside all of our, you know, Houston friends that still live there. So, you know, I'm going to make some jokes about sports, but I'm not like a sports hater. I'm just not that involved in it. For example, I I will not, I will try not to use the word sports ball in this episode, which I think (laughs) is a character growth uh, for me because I I got hold of that term. It's kind of a mocking term and uh, folks who don't understand or are sick of sports will use that just to sort of group all the sports, games together uh pause to remember for example that the world series is baseball that's right and even though it's world i think it's just america right just america so that's, that's yes all that matters. because it's america's sport and you know of course <laughs> i guess the football fandom would would disagree that uh, baseball may be america's titular sport but we all know that the money is in the football uh i yep. grew up in a um, large uh, large amount of time in the kentucky central kentucky where the big fandom is the university of kentucky men's basketball team they won some championships in the ncaa and i was there gandalf i was there in 1996 when the uk men's basketball team uh under coach rick patino i actually know these sports facts uh won the national championship and everyone lost their sensibilities and burned sofas downtown and flipped over cars and smashed windows because uh, you know it's like the purge uh, you get to do that in downtown lexington kentucky when the wildcats win uh very very strange uh, dark magic at work there among the fandom uh they lost under the same coach in 1997 i think it was the wildcats versus wildcats and then in 1998 the new coach tubby smith uh, inheriting a, lar- a large r- roster of players from the previous coach, uh, one again. Uh, and that is the sum total of my sports uh, trivia that I have in my head, uh, other than uh, some basic normie details about the upcoming big game. So if y'all got sick of those sports facts, let's all try to heal up by remembering some of what Zach's already started doing and moving into chapter one, the pros of sports. Get it? Why do many fans totally love sports? Uh, let's try to connect with our neighbors and be good, nuanced, winsome evangelists and uh, promote unity in the body of Christ. So maybe focusing mainly on the reasons that Christian fans give, thoughtful Christian fans. And I would I came up with three reasons here. I'm curious what yours are, Zach. Good reasons for sports, even if we don't get them, you know, we don't really feel this. Uh, they are facts, at least. 
And one of them, of course, is that the body is good. Uh, you get God likes matter. He invented it, as C.S. Lewis said. And so God likes human bodies. They have worth. And it's interesting how even Christians who repeat Gnostic canards like only the soul matters, the body is just a package to be discarded. Like, yeah, you don't really believe that when it's time for the stupor brawl now, do you? You know, you you like seeing guys run out there and give it their all uh, and show that they have trained for years and years to do this, that they have brought their bodies as much as they can to peak condition. Uh, and they're engaging in competition, hopefully friendly competition before the idols get involved, that does build character. There's another uh, emphasis there on just wholesome uh, abilities to show natural love for one city, state, or country. You know, Zach, you mentioned the loyalty and the positive memories of the Texas A&M uh, sports fandom, uh, and that's healthy. It's healthy to say, these are my people, these are not my people, but all in good humor. You know, we all know the distortion of sin that happens to patriotism and love for family or love for your own community that turns into some kind of gross partisanship. Yes, we know. But at heart, that kind of love for one's own and loyalty is good and healthy. Uh, it's also a friendly rivalry again before the idols get in. It simulates a conflict with other people, uh, but for the joy of it, like People ought to be able to shake their hands afterwards like they should have taught you to do if you ever did sports as a kid and say, good game, good game. You know, you, you're taught to, at least you should be taught to be a good sport, uh, whether it's chess in the Fey Kingdom or some kind of uh, Dungeons and Dragons game or tabletop or whether you're out on an actual field sweating for it. Uh, you are supposed to be a good sport that builds character. I think healthy competition is good. And uh, sports were created to be good. Uh, I think I first uh, read a, a good Christian treatment about this in Randy Alcorn's big book, Heaven. Uh, if you've got that book, you can look it up in uh, pages 410 to 411, where Alcorn says, yeah, you know, sports are good. Human bodies are good. Sports aren't inherently sinful, Alcorn says. So we have every reason to believe that the same activities, games, skills, and interests we enjoy here will be available on the new earth with many new ones we haven't thought of. Your favorite sport in heaven may be one you've never heard of or one that hasn't yet been invented. Sports and our enjoyment of them aren't a result of the fall. And then he goes on to talk, of, you know, like a Christian devotional writer would talk, you know, about some famous sports figures like Eric Liddell. You know, I feel God's uh, pleasure in me when I run. Uh, running is a sport. It's competition. You train yourself. And of course, lots of sports stars, and we're seeing some of the viral videos even now, like they take the opportunity to grab the microphone and they say, first of all, I want to give credit to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, I couldn't be here. And then they thank their wife and their dog and their family. And, you know, they're extremely wholesome people. And often that is legit. Like that's not faking it. Yeah, the sports fandom doesn't really cancel you if you credit, you know, Jesus Christ or misquote Philippians 4.13. Maybe it will someday, but it still strikes me as a bold and helpful move to be a good witness for Jesus Christ once you've got a platform like that. So that's a few good reasons that I know, at least in my head, uh, if not in my heart, uh, that fans have good reasons to like sports. Yeah. So I'll give you my reasons kind of in three phases from childhood, young adulthood, and now parenthood. So as a kid, I tried out a bunch of different sports, uh, t-ball, soccer, basketball, and um, for a variety of reasons, I, I stopped all of those by middle school. And so I kind of lost a lot of athletic prowess. 
and uh, was uh, pretty shocked to get placed on the C team when I tried out for basketball in middle school. So not the A team or the B team, but the C team that would play no games, <laughs> just basically sit the bench. So at the back of the bench, as they say. Yeah. Okay. And then I tried track and field and uh, embarrassed myself uh, every day with pole vault and hurdles and other things that were uh, very awkward as a not very athletic uh, 14 year old. And by the way, by the time I was 13, I was already a size 13 shoe, even though I was only six feet tall and I'm six four wearing the same size shoe. So I you know, grew into my feet. It was it just, uh, it's so awkward. Braces. Yeah, for those and, who haven't met Zach and I, yeah. we are tall blokes. And I think, <laughs> yeah, Zach's got an inch on me. And yeah, actually, I didn't know that, Zach, about you. We have basically the same shoe size. Yeah. Do you ever get sick of people saying, oh, like, how's the weather up there? You play basketball, right? I got yeah. so tired of that question. Like I watched at the time, <laughs> I watched basketball on TV, but no, I enjoy reading, writing, and maybe arithmetic, but not the, not the basketball. Yeah, I mean, I I regret giving up on basketball as a kid, and that's again, there's some complicated things there. But um, I still dream about playing basketball, which is weird. And um, in fact, one night I accidentally kicked Naomi in my sleep while I was going for a ball or something in my dream, and she woke up, and I woke up, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was I was trying to dunk or something. But then in high school, I joined the swim team, and because that was some also something I'd done as a kid, it was something my uncle did for a long time. And so I thought I'll, I'll give that a try. I was also very not good at that for about a year or two. We got a new coach my junior year. I became really good. I made it to regionals and um, our team won district and swimming was great. And, and what I loved about it, looking back, because there's a lot of things I didn't like about swimming, but the one thing I really loved is the self-discipline that it built in me, that showing up every day, doing the work. And again, I wasn't always that great at it, but just that that routine practice of like, don't give up, keep going. And, you know, when we got that new coach, she was tough. And I, re- but I really gravitated towards that. And I started doing doubles. So I'd, I'd swim in the morning and in the evening with that same coach in a different team. Um, so shout out to uh, Coach Churchin if she ever hears this. That was one of the best years of my life because I became good because she pushed me to be better than I thought I could be. And that's a great thing about sports is that you you stop being such a wimp mentally. You know, so much of sports, like when you're a kid, it's it's really not that hard physically. It's it's the mental challenge that, that's the hardest part. It's the perseverance. Young adulthood, I was, was in college. I, I didn't play any sports, you know, like formally. I just did like intramural sports in college. But as I mentioned, the Aggie football games and even the baseball and volleyball games, but you know, the best part of that was the camaraderie. Like I have so many good memories from games with my friends, everything from watching the Aggies win the big 12 championship in 98, uh, against, uh, Kansas city and, um, or KSU. And I still remember sitting like on my bed in my little 12 by 12 dorm room on a, watching the game on a 13 inch TV with like eight friends. Like we're so crowded in this tiny little <laughs> concrete jail cell of my dorm but we went wild when they won and we were like running around the hall and you know all all the way to other games where you know we when bonfire fell that was my sophomore year so at a&m we would erect this giant 95 foot bonfire out of wood these giant wood logs we'd burn it before the game against uh, university of texas and uh but that year bonfire fell 
while people were working on it and, and tragically I remember 12 when that was in the killed. news. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now see, at least you all were lighting something on fire that was supposed to be lit on right. fire. Yeah, very uh, safely. The, <laughs> the UK Wildcats basketball fandom would light stuff on fire that wasn't meant to be flammable. Yeah. yeah so then, uh, you know, we still played Texas after that and we won and that was pretty unbelievable. Kind of a, you know, bittersweet, obviously. That whole saga really led to this revival on campus. It's hard to explain or get into, but so much of uh, the, the sports culture was really tied to the faith culture there. And so there were there was, you know, sports, uh, we'll talk about more in chapter two, it, it could be kind of an idol, but then there was the enterprising evangelists uh, who made a gospel track that said, have you heard of the real spirit of Aggieland? Because uh, the spirit of Aggieland was a song we would sing at games. Oh man, that is such a youth pastor meme. Youth pastor pulls up chair, sits in it backwards. You've heard about X, but let me tell you about the real Y. <laughs> oh, but it was fantastic. I mean, you know, people were were really open to that. Um, and then the third phase is just as a parent now. My my girls aren't so much into sports, although my youngest she's very aggressive and competitive and likes likes soccer a little bit. But my son. Uh, who's who's seven right now? He is really into basketball. In fact, we just came from a game where he scored uh, two points or two, well, four points, two two baskets, um, and then uh, he he passed it a couple times, and the other teammate made a basket, and they won, you know, twenty four to sixteen. And my my youngest daughter is like the scorekeeper and kind of almost like the team manager. She's really into it, um, and it's just so fun watching him because first of all, he is so full of energy that like. He just loved to run on the court. Like that's his favorite part is just whichever team scores, he just likes to run to the other end. And that's, that's mainly why Naomi put him in it. She's like, he just needs to get some energy uh, burned off every day. But you know, he, he has loved basketball since he was like one and a half or two. Like we, we got him little basketball hoops around the house and he'd just throw whatever he could into it. Um, he's just so wired for it. And so it's, it's really fun for me as a, as a dad now to, to do that with them. Now, again, b- basketball is not really what I was ever good at, but it's, it's a great way for, you know, male bonding and, um, and that sort of thing. But what I also like is the, is the other skills, like you mentioned, it builds character. You know, uh, w- we've had to tell my son, you know, make sure you pass the ball and make sure you're on defense and you're doing your job. And so sort of that personal responsibility, um, the, the teamwork and in, in the sense of like kind of sharing the victory, uh, you know, and, and basketball is kind of a weird sport because there usually is one star player on each team that that grabs the spotlight and gets most of the points. So it's not exactly uh, the the team sport that, like, say, soccer is or, or something like that. The fantasy uh, fans can translate here. Yeah. The the basketball teams have a chosen one. There you go. Yes, they do. And but you know, at, at this age, some of the kids don't know how to dribble and then they don't really know how to defend. They just kind of watch the player go up and, and shoot. So it's also just really funny to watch right now. Yeah, there's lots of comedy in sports uh, and that is uh, difficult sometimes because uh, if you don't know the rules, for example, it all seems so funny. I remember one time a younger brother and I, we thought, uh, or maybe I thought and dragged him into it. Uh, and, and we were teenagers. This wasn't when we were little kids. Uh, we didn't quite understand the rules of football. Our dad understood the rules of football. Uh, he had apparently read the magician's playbook, and so he knew uh, these various incantations and the, the rules of the magic system. We did not. So I thought at the time, you know, it'd be funny if we just sort of mimicked with our mouths 
uh, these Hanna-Barbera in a Warner Brothers cartoon sound effects. Uh, <laughs> whenever uh, the guys started running, you know, their, their legs turn into pinwheels and it goes, and then they charge down the court and it goes, Bow! and um, our dad put a stop to that very quickly. Uh, this was a very serious game. Thank you very much. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and so we quit doing that. And, and I, I think, yeah, we were probably just being annoying right there. But that just came because I didn't understand the rules and still to this day do not quite understand the rules of football. Please do not email podcast at lorehaven.com with a detailed explanation <laughs> of the rules of football, how to play football in the old uh, yeah. goofy narrator voice. I do understand the rules of baseball. I think they're way back in there somewhere in the brain attic. Uh, and I do understand, at least as of the late 90s, the rules of basketball. I'm guessing they haven't changed them a whole lot. But I could probably tell you what exactly means you get three free throws or, or versus uh, what, what someone has to do to get to get two uh, free throws for those extra points. For example, like uh, I think that's minutia. I'm not sure. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned was the friendly rivalry. So I have a good friend from high school named Grant. He went to University of Texas while I went to A&M. And uh, I actually ran into him just a couple of weeks ago. And A&M and UT, used to, we used to be in the same um, big 12, uh, conference. And so now we're the Aggies are, are in the sec. Anyway, there's a whole backstory there, but we don't play each other after Thanksgiving anymore, which is sad because that was tradition for decades and decades. And I don't think we have played them since I've, since that switch happened. But even still, whenever Grant and I see each other, we always needle each other a little bit, make fun of the other team. You know, something like, uh, oh, hey, Grant, you got something uh, on your shirt there. It looks like a stain. You know, it's like the UT logo. Um, and wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And then he'll come back with the barb, usually some barb about Aggies being stupid or whatever. So, you know, and that that's, goes on to this day. Like, this is a love language. Later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It so, is a love language. And not just among bros. You know, we, we speak as, as, as men here, but the sports fandoms, maybe this is another concession stand, you know. Women like them too. Like this doesn't even have to really be mentioned, but uh, I have seen uh, female sports fans uh, who could run rings around the male sports fans, even if in some contexts it seems to be the exception. So, yeah, men, men like this stuff. Women like this stuff. Uh, it's a it's a great way to get together. Totally, Naomi is really into the World Cup and any other kind of big soccer tournaments, which uh, you know I don't know much about because it's these different countries uh their soccer teams but whenever it is is world cup time she like becomes a different person and i just like to watch her because it, it, like i never see her like this on any other you know sports thing uh and then she gets the kids into it and uh oh it, it's it's the best and same with the olympics kind of but yeah it, it's fun to find a sport that you're really into that like for some ex- inexplicable reason you just it just takes over and it becomes this thing you're so passionate about and like it just grabs your whole attention and all your emotions. Like I, I just think that's fun. That's that's a fun experience. Does she fancy Victor Crumb in the Oh no, I'm sorry, that was the Quidditch World Cup. I, <laughs> I, I got that mixed up there. Yeah, I'll say I'll say a little bit more about uh, sports in uh, fantasy worlds, uh, probably in chapter three. Well, let's pause for sponsor too, however. A newcomer to the Fantastical Truth lineup. See what I did there. Uh, it is Return of the Lost Ones, a fantasy novel by David Liberto. Two young men, two legendary families, one infamous, one noble. Their fateful choices converge in a tale of adventure and peril in Return of the Lost Ones. 
As Paul, born to a line of blessed heroes, strives to reclaim his family's honor, Stefan faces a crossroads that could lead to ruin or redemption. Together, they must unite to save a village from the grip of darkness and creatures of myth. Will they rise to the challenge or be consumed by the legacies that haunt them? Discover their stories in the thrilling first book where honor, bravery, and legends collide. Begin your journey with Paul and Stefan, where every decision shapes destiny. That's Return of the Lost Ones, a fantasy novel by David Liberto. You can see that awesome cover and get the full description in our show notes for episode 198, this one, or go to lorehaven.com slash podcast. All right, chapter two, if you felt the last section was too positive about sports and you have a tragic backstory that sports may touch on, this chapter is dedicated to you, the cons. How do fantasy fans feel about sports? Well, another concession uh, with a lot of concessions because it's the big game, right? Uh, Not every fantasy fan feels this way, but I think those who have resonated more with fantastical worlds and books and on screen uh, they often view sports as the rivalry. There's, uh, I think, a friendly rivalry here sometimes, but often it is very unfriendly and for various reasons that go very personal. One of those is, I think, uh, the expectation that I alluded to earlier that if you're tall, if you are a man, uh, all these stereotypes, then you're just going to play sports. If you're from a city or a school that is crazed about the team, it's just expected that you too will be crazed about the team. If you have a particular body type or you seem to be athletic, people just assume you're going to try out for the team or that you're already on the team. And maybe you're not. Maybe you like computer programming. Uh, Maybe you like tabletop games. And maybe you like to read quietly in the library or introverted or you just somehow, for whatever reason, don't care. Uh, The stereotypes certainly get in there uh, if you are a man. And I guess sometimes if you're a woman as well, it's just expected if you're a man. I will complain about this a little bit. Well, you're going to be into sports. Not always. There's different ways to be a man. It doesn't say in the Bible that men are only ever this kind of warrior or only ever competing in this kind of way. And a lot of that stuff, especially when you get Christians mixed up in it, you know, the cultural expectations get superimposed on the biblical expectations and people confuse them. And it's all about imagination and um, it gets, it gets complicated and people can start to resent Uh, being forced to conform to this stereotype. Another issue, uh, just the idolized version of the positive I mentioned in chapter one, is that kind of patriotism about your country or state or city or school or whatever, uh, that can get twisted into idolatry. Uh, The partisanship uh, turns sinful. Uh, You are willing to sin in order to defend your favorite and hate the other guys. Uh, If your team wins, it's not just kind of a fun style of grief. Like you are actually in depression because that's not just the team that failed because the weather was bad or the referee wasn't looking right or whatever. Uh, That is your personal responsibility. And, you know, maybe you take it out on your family or you take it out on people at church. Like it's just the usual thing that sin does is sneaks in like a virus and ruins a good thing. But it did start as a good thing. Sin made it bad. And and we also see, I think, uh, the obsessions that people have for sports, just like people would have obsessions about anything, religion, a family, or fandom. People get all up in the, into the statistics, uh, the players, uh, the, the idolatry is real. And then they are going so deep into this part of reality that they're ignoring all the other realities around them. And 
unfortunately, I think there's even some backstories about abuse or, or emotional trauma, actual trauma, that does relate to sports in some way. Uh, you didn't get on the team or they made you get on the team and you didn't want to be, you know, you got made fun of, you got bullied, or maybe there was some sporting event and everybody was expecting to be happy, but the team lost and then suddenly it turned terrible. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of sour memories that can be associated with sports in addition to the good memories. So Zach mentioned some good memories. I don't really have any specific sour memories except to say that, yeah, I was that guy who just did not like going to the, the PE and I was homeschooled. So you had to travel a little bit to get to the PE and it was probably good for me, but I was that guy who was just socially awkward. I know big, big shock here, at least originally because this was not my element. I hadn't grown up like this and I just did not care. And so for a while there, I really resented that. And I think found refuge and maybe some escapism. Uh, when I learned that there was a thing called being a nerd and, and if you were a nerd, that was your identity group registered. And then that meant you didn't have to care about the sports fandom. In fact, they could be kind of the enemy. And so unfortunately, as happens with a lot of people who get a hold of an identity group, uh, this becomes uh, the, uh, the jersey that you put on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play for team. I hate sports. I'm going to play for team nerd. We're all going to make fun of the other team. Well, now you're engaging in sports all over again. You're just sort of uh, remixing that a bit. And uh, I don't view that as a healthy response, but I totally understand why people would feel that way because of the trauma and annoyance and idolatry that is also associated with the sports fandoms. Okay. So a couple of things I want to share about. So yeah, when I was on the swim team, it was, it was kind of the best of times and the worst of times, right? Because it's, there's teenage drama, there's high school conflict and uh, pettiness and you know, it wasn't always a Christian atmosphere that I was involved in. And I, I think this really became clear to me recently when, um, so this is kind of a tragic side story here, but there was a, a young man in, uh, at a Christian high school here in town that died tragically. And, but he was very involved on their school's football team and was really a spiritual leader, you know, hearing stories of him bringing the team together, uh, win or lose, but just being almost like a pastor to the other uh, to the younger guys, um, I'm like, wow, that, that's not my sports experience. Like where there was that kind of shared mission and, and fellowship. Uh, swimming is weird. It's it's not like a cutthroat sport, and it's it's not exactly a team sport. I mean, there's relays, but it's it's mostly an individual sport. It's so the the uh, kind of inner conflict is is just just because of the sinful nature, not not because of like something inherent in the game. When I got to college, though, I had a, a roommate, or rather, we had a, our rooms were arranged in suite, so suite mate, uh, but S-U-I-T-E, okay, mate, uh, named Kevin, a really good friend of mine, so shout out to Kevin, and uh, <laughs> he kept this, uh, he obsessively kept this Excel sheet of like NBA basketball stats, he would watch all these games and just keep track of everything, and, and he would tell you now, he's like, what, I was just wasting my time with that, like, what was I doing? Uh, but I, I always kind of laughed at that. I'm like, why, why are you so into this? But like, it was a fandom, you know, and, and I just, I couldn't relate to it. I, I didn't care. I, I would watch NBA, but not, not like Kevin. Um, and then, you know, nowadays uh, as an adult in the, around the office, people want to 
People want to play fantasy football, and you know. Okay, so that- tell me what this is. <laughs> if you could pause just briefly, like because I hear fantasy football, yeah. and I'm like, is it an enchanted football? <laughs> is it the quaffle? Like what? <laughs> yeah, and oh, unfortunately, it's a lot less b- more boring than that. More boring in explanation. Yeah, there, there's this great meme I saw. I wish I could find it. Where it's like me, a Harry Potter fan, showing ex- excited for my office's first fantasy football. And that's like a guy in like a Harry Potter costume walking the office. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, that's not the fantasy. So basically it, the way I understand it, cause I've only done it once a long time ago is, uh, and so listeners can, can fact check me on this, but brackets are involved. Yeah. yeah basically you create a fictional team, uh, from your favorite players. And then depending on, whether that player scores or wins in the actual game the next weekend, it depends on whether or not your team does well. But but also like in in so that's football. Uh, then there's March Madness for uh, that's college yeah. basketball. Yeah, I and know so this you, one. I know a basically. Sports thing. Yeah, and you're basically guessing like which teams are going to play, which teams and which ones are going to win or advance. And if you are the... correct, that reflects positively on your character and you gain valuable XP. Yeah, but most people know it's it's a total guess and, and whoever actually okay. gets it, it just kind of lucks out because there's always surprises. This is rock, paper, scissors. Yes. Okay. And so it it's like you could you could have all the right, you know, understanding of all the stats. Like my friend Kevin and still be completely wrong and your bracket gets busted after like the very first game or whatever. And so I, again, I don't totally understand this, but I can see it from the perspective of, and we'll talk about this in chapter three of like, you know, of like a RPG or something. Like oh yeah. Well, it's, it's fan fiction. Yeah. It's fan right. fiction. And I'm curious, are there self inserts? Are there tropes? Are there Mary Sue characters? Like do some of the human habits cross over, even though the labeling would be different for fantasy sports? I don't really know. Now, the the thing that I I, I don't like about all of this that, you know, it, it's kind of funny and harmless in some ways, but I, I think people can get into it is the superstitions that go into whether it's your bracket or your Oh, it totally game, turns into a little white magic, doesn't it? Or just going to a game. In fact, I, I read this story recently. I, I can't remember exactly which team it is because, again, I don't really follow sports, but so you can, listeners, fact check me, but Apparently there's this uh, football stadium where they're, I think they're building another bigger one or something. Cause that's what we Instead do in America. Instead of paying we, the theater we, department, we, right? You just build a bigger one. And uh, so there was a, a big ditch or something next to the stadium and a fan fell into that ditch at a critical point in the game. And then their team won. And so now it's become this like tradition of like, we have to sacrifice someone in the pit in order for our team to win. And, it, and it's kind of a joke, but they're also like, no, actually you need to fall into the pit. And, huh. and so <laughs> stadiums as castles with their own moats. Yes. Okay. Well, no, but it's more like sacrifice a virgin into the volcano. Kind oh, of thing. I see. Yeah. So yeah. yes, religious uh, zealotry <laughs> as well as heathen mysticism. Yeah. We see that. And of course there's the stereotype of your sports mad uncle who is, you know, poised on the edge of his sofa snacking on jalapeno nachos uh thinking positively thoughts uh, positive thoughts trying to manifest uh trying to send telepathic uh good vibes uh thoughts and prayers to the players and when they win of course he wins too because everyone shared in the same hive mind and uh and they could feel uh your energies that unblocked the sports players chakras yeah, yeah. and again uh, it's it's like it's something we laugh at but like 
actually, it's that's a, a human, problem. It's human behavior. You know, and it, it is a problem. It yeah. It's a sinful human behavior. If you think that way for real. Yeah. God is in control of the game. Not, not your good vibes. Yeah. And like, we're all kind of in on the joke, but it's like, no, people really believe this. And if you're a Christian, you should have nothing to do with that because that is, that is the occult. Like, even if it's kind of funny and kind of, oh, we're just having fun. It's like, no, you should not have good luck charms. That's an idol. You know, <laughs> whether it's a certain, certain pair of socks, you got to put on a hat, you got to wear backwards. That's a problem. It is a huge problem, and and people often blame the fantasy fandoms for blurring the line between fantasy and reality, uh, and yet the sports fandoms have been doing that for much, much longer, it would seem. Uh, it seems that these uh, toxic problems, which is really just another way of saying idolatry, can infect any passionate fan base, uh, whether you're a fan of superheroes or uh, the sports tournaments. Uh, speaking of tournaments, however, I know that at the Realm Makers Conference, I, I actually want to try this this year. All this talking about gaming makes me realize that I'm just not good at gaming, whether it's a sports game or even like a tabletop game. I, I have this kind of allergy despite running a you know Christian fantastical podcast. So at this year's Realm Makers, I'm going to try to find you people who stay up till weird hours uh, playing a game. But that reminds me of our third sponsor, which is the Realm Makers Conference. For 2024, we are helping get the word out, and this week, registration is open. Since 2013, Realm Makers has been helping writers of fantasy, science fiction, and other fantastical stories find their community and learn their craft from an all-star faculty. Now the Christian-led organization will return to St. Louis, Missouri for its 12th annual live conference this July 18th through 20th. Public registration opened February 1st at realmmakers.com. Authors can attend in person, staying at the Sheraton Westport Chalet Hotel for the three-day event, or they can attend the event remotely on the dedicated RealmSphere social network. At Realm Makers, we've been connecting Christian creators for over a decade, said marketing director J.J. Johnson. Our annual conference provides a supportive space where authors can take their next creative steps. Realm Makers is where authors find not just inspiration, but lasting relationships that fuel their success. More information, of course, go direct to realmmakers.com or you can see our entire media release at lorehaven.com. Show notes for episode 198 or at lorehaven.com slash podcast. All right, that's Realm Makers. Uh, now back to the sports realm for chapter three. I found a bridge between the fantasy fandoms and the sports fandoms, and it's this. Uh, how can fantastical sports connect us together? This, Zach, kind of unlocked for me, trying to move to my heart what I know in my head, you know, the theory and then the application. And it helps because there are so many types of sports in fantastical stories. A lot of my examples here are traditional fantasy, you know, the jousting, the Quidditch, you know, stuff that only works in a world of magic or, uh, you know, ancient times. But I was also thinking about Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Uh, there are sports in that book as well, at least the first one. And then it turns out it's uh, it's more than a game and all of that. Uh, spoilers. Uh, but it's zero gravity type sports going on there. And it matters then for Ender to win this. You know, that is part of his character growth, uh, building a team, figuring out his strategy, beating the other guys. And uh, making a surprising amount of references to a smell of urine, as far as I remember. I need to read it again. I, I think I, I didn't get as much out of it when I read it the first time, but a, a reread may really help with that. And a reread also helps when you're going, for example, to the Harry Potter wizarding world, where they're all about the Quidditch. Quidditch means something to Harry. It means that he'll be 
accomplished. It means that he will get to be a better wizard. It means that he can, you know, catch the golden snitch at the end uh, and win the big game. Like J.K. Rowling captured that feeling very well uh, for her fictional sport of uh, of, of Quidditch. And how does and, that game work? Because I never, I never read or watched her. Oh Potter. wow. Okay, so I'm trying to remember. Um, my only exposure to the Wizarding Wizarding World lately has been uh, the the Hogwarts Legacy game we talked about recently. But uh, they they actually don't have Quidditch in that game. I, I think they would just need to, maybe maybe it'll be a DLC sometime. Is it kind of like polo? Uh, kind of like brooms? polo, but in the air. You're flying on a broom because you know magic. Um, and uh, I think the uh, the the goal is to knock the ball. Uh, there are words for the balls. Is it the quaffle that hits you, or is it the blood? The bludgers hit you. Okay, there are enchanted bludgers like that fly around trying to knock you off the broom. I don't know. I don't watch mm. cricket. Uh, cricket's <laughs> a bug in the corner uh, and some kind of sport in England. I don't watch it. But you, the, the, the bludgers are trying to hit you uh, violently uh, because this is, a, this is a very dangerous world. It's a dangerous, uh, dangerous sport for boys and girls. It's a very uh, egalitarian uh, mix on the, on the team, as I, as I recall. If you catch the golden snitch, you automatically win the game or you win 100 points, which is almost the same. Uh, and you're trying to hit the floating quaffle into the hoops. And, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, what Americans call soccer and what everyone else calls football. But in the air... Uh, while these other objects try to kill you, and then possibly there's a professor trying to curse you from the stands because of the the main story. Quidditch is the side story, but it means a lot for the character development, and fans really love it, and I think that is a bridge for understanding why people love real-world sports. If you struggle to get into that, well, maybe the story world of the wizarding world can help introduce you to the reasons why. And yet, for me, I think it actually dawned on me why people like this. <sighs> I'm going to out myself here. A child's first anime was called Fairy Tale, at least for me. And it's kind of the same idea. It's a guild full of wizards and they go on quests. And it, it's actually, I think, anime professional anime fans make fun of it because it's really normy and kind of basic, apparently. But I was still feeling it uh, when there was a time jump and all of our heroes come back to their guild and they discover that, you know, they've gone down in the rankings. Like all the other magic guilds are way ahead. They've They've got more money and they've got more prestige. And now there's going to be a grand magic games tournament. So in they come, the members of this guild as the underdogs. Uh, and suddenly, oh, I'm, I'm getting like really involved in this silly storyline. Like it, it's making sense to me why we need to beat the other guilds in friendly competition uh, in order to become the best of the best. So it's kind of a shonen trope, but also a sports trope. And suddenly, though, because of this little anime, I was able to feel that. I was able to feel the importance of it and, and feel that sense of accomplishment when, of course, they, they finally won. And then I think the villain attacked or something. So, you know, it didn't get too much into the sports, but that really helps to connect the two fandoms. There's a lot of overlap between our fandoms, and that's why we're doing this episode. Now, the uh, fantastical game that I think about immediately when I think of games in fantastical stories is Parisi's Squares from Star Trek The Next Generation that they played on the holodeck. Oh, of course. Now, did they actually have rules for that, or did they just kind of make it up? Like, I remember Dr. Bashir yeah. and Chief O'Brien on DS9, like, hitting the ball against the wall, and, yeah, Bashir was a prodigy at it and really didn't want to just cream O'Brien, who's a little <laughs> little older, and uh, thought he was the best, but he's not. You know, I was just looking it up on Memory Alpha, which is like the Wikipedia for Star Trek, because I was trying to jog my memory with this, and there aren't a lot of episodes where it even appears or where they even show it. A lot of times they're just talking about it or they're getting ready to go in 
or Riker got injured from a game or Wesley is not allowed to go play because it's dangerous or the doc, the holographic doctor is worried about his, his imaginary holographic family playing this. And I think that's what was always intrigued me that there was a sense of danger and a sense of like forbidden uh, forbidden fruit, you know. Yeah, because you could disable the safety protocols in the holodeck, yes. and then you have to finish the game, or else it won't let you exit. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. The next game I think about in a fantastical story was Motorball. This was an Alita Battle Angel. This is a movie that came out uh, last. Oh, hurrah! I'm not the only one making an anime reference in this yeah. episode. Yeah, well, I don't know the anime. I just know the movie. Oh, the movie. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Pour one out for Alita Battle Angel, the movie, because there was supposed to be a series of movies, and it. I don't think that'll ever happen. And it, it was such a fantastic world. No, the, the fan, the, no, the fandom has been asking for a sequel for a long time. It's, it's like they were actually cousins to the release, the Snyder cut movement. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, respect between the two fandoms there. Yeah. And now there's uh, some similar, like, so the danger is even more, uh, there's characters that die playing motorball and it, by the way, this, this is like kind of building off of a 1970s movie called rollerball, which is also this like dystopian game in the far future where corporations run the world and make each other face off. But you know, this is going back to the gladiators, like the Colosseum of, of ancient Rome, you know, cause I think about the Roman empire every day. So nothing has really changed uh, with all these stories. It's the same thing, like make people compete, you know, to the death, you know, in a cyberpunk world now, or in a uh, space travel world. Although I guess Precy squares, it's not dangerous unless you said like you disable the, uh, the safeties. And then all the way, of course, to the Hunger Games. Like I was the, just thinking that. I didn't even have them in my notes, but it says games right there yeah. in the series title. <laughs> and that's like the bad right. side of sports. Really, oh, exactly. really toxic. That's, that's the very dark side. Uh, you know, it, it's just a fight to the death. Children, gladiators. Children, yes. Yeah. Hornets will kill you. Everything will kill you. Yeah. And then and then there's sort of the haha version of this, which is pod racing and Phantom Menace. Now this is pod racing? <laughs> <laughs> now this is pod racing. Now right. this is pod racing. This is pod racing. Right. Wonder how and many I'm, takes it took for that. And it's so like ridiculous looking back at that movie. Like they let a kid do it, do a pod race and where it's like often to the death, uh, and with aliens and, uh, for what to, to just free him from slavery and they couldn't just buy him out of it or what, you know, the whole thing is so absurd, but what it's was cool for the about kids. that? It's for the kids, you know, thinking, "Hey, we can, we can do this as kids." It's for the game tie-in. And I was about to say, it's for the video games that you get. Would that to have play been PS? Afterwards. Would it have been the original PlayStation, or would it have been PS2 by then? I think it would have just been the PlayStation, maybe. Yeah, I think there was an Nintendo iPhone 64. Game at some point well, that was way after uh, 1999, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, okay, it, but if you liked the pod racing scene, then you understand, like, hey, you know, little little Annie needs his freedom, and this is how he's going to get it because reasons. <laughs> Uh, at least the stakes are theoretically high. You win the game, you win your freedom. And uh, a lot of people feel that way. And if you're uh, are, are a fantasy fan who doesn't get it, like, well, these examples may help you get it. At least they helped me get it. I'd be interested they help you get it, faithful listener. Yeah. Now there's there's the classic, you know, sports movies like Remember the Titans or Facing the Giants, if if you want the Christian version. Attack on Titan fans read those titles very differently. <laughs> I do remember the Titans. Yes, they're horrible. They'll come out of the walls and eat you. Yeah. There's a lot of good stories with sports in them, whether it's the focus of the story or it's incidental to the story. Yeah, so all of this helps me, actually. I, I, you know, Zach, I don't know if I want to commit to this, but we do have the big game TM coming up. 
And I have been kind of that reclusive, like this is not my fandom. I, I don't want to go to the church thing, the inevitable church thing where everybody gets together and you know, suddenly the sanctuary is a sanctuary for the sports instead of you know Jesus. But it makes me think, you know, I'm being a little legalistic there and maybe a little antisocial. So I don't know if I want to lock myself into this now, but maybe I ought to go to the inevitable church gathering to watch the big game this Sunday. Maybe I ought to, or, or maybe I won't. And maybe you should faithful listener, like you should make this application while I hedge my bets. But even if I don't do that, I think I can at least avoid mocking the sports fandom even if it all seems to be taylor swift fandom now in this year all these references by the way they're not going to age very well the rest of this is hopefully evergreen but i'm not going to say sports ball i'm going to try to connect uh the good impulses behind sports and fantasy enjoyment and one thing i know i can do better is actively ask about other people's fandoms. That's just a good thing, whether someone's a big fan of chess or high school band or professional-level parenting or sports or sci-fi or fantasy. Like God has given us these interests that reflect deeply human desires. And if you know someone's fandom, you're a little bit closer to knowing the person. So Maybe that uh, that guy at your church is really into the sports. Like, yeah, to get to know him by asking about his favorite teams. And uh, I am preaching to myself here, even if I'm not preaching to our listenership. Yeah, I think finding someone's fandom is a way to really find out more about them. Like you said, I, I once uh, had a friend explain it to me. Well, I don't know what's going to happen in a game, and and that suspense is fun. And then finding out later, you know like how it all fit together and, and who won. And, you know, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's reality. Like you don't always know how it's going to end. Whereas, and, uh, but it's that same thrill that we find in a really good book or a really good movie. Like, how is it going to end? Like, how is the hero going to win or not? Is it going to be a tragedy or is, is it going to be like a, a Pyrrhic victory where it's like they, they win, but they lose something really, uh, good, you know, cause there's been plenty of games where they win, but the quarterback, you know, has a shoulder injury or a concussion or something. And so he doesn't get to be in the game and, and then maybe they lose because of that, or maybe they win without him. And so, you know, it's, it's those kind of ups and downs that I think are fun, but you know, just as a, as a casual person who knows, you know, again, I don't even know anything about this upcoming game. It's just a great excuse to get together with people. So we, we met some really good friends of ours now, uh, Peter and Jenny, who had recently moved to the U S uh, from another country. And I just happened to run into them at the park near our house. And it was a couple of days before the big game. And I said, uh, Hey, do you guys have plans for, for watching this? And they're like, no, we don't even really know what it is. And I said, well, I don't really either, <laughs> but do you want to come watch it with us? And it's kind of a tradition to get together and have a lot of food and, you know, too many nachos. Uh, but, uh, it's really just a, a time to get to know one another. And so I, I think that's the best use of it because I mean, unless you are a super fan of one of the teams going, you probably don't know more than the next person. And I think that's, what's often, you know, what we're afraid of. Like, well, I, I don't know anything about this team. Well, most people don't, right? Because it's just two teams out of how many dozen. Uh, so it's, we're just watching it to see what happens. And, and of course, to see the commercials. But I'm still going to uninstall the bloatware NFL app on my phone 
It doesn't belong there. I call it a conspiracy. There's some sort of skullduggering going on. Somebody got paid off. I don't like it. Uh, sports does get all over the place, and sometimes it seems really irritating, but um, let's try to find the good in that, uh, the good that God has uh, created sports to be or created people to make up sports and uh, not get too distracted by the idols. So whether you are a big sports fan or you're more a fan of Quidditch and Parisi squares, you know, try to find a way to get together with people and just get to know them through a sport, whether watching it or listening to them and trying to pay attention when they say a lot of things you don't know about or are familiar with. But for our question today for this episode, we just want to know, do you actually speak the sports fandom language or is it a foreign language to you or do you speak the fantasy fandom you know maybe you could tell me more about Parisi squares because i know there were some tie-ins and novels and other things so send us a note to podcast at lorehaven.com or find us on facebook instagram or twitter we got a note from Mahina, a hero in the Lorehaven guild who liked episode 197 about video gaming we kind of by coincidence got two gaming related episodes back to back Mahina said, wow, I'm so interested in this. I'm not really a gamer, but a fan of stories. I downloaded the Redwall Lost Legends game. Me and my sisters loved these books. It's literally choose your own adventure book with music and graphics. Very fun for a reader. I don't have any kind of game console or computer other than a small laptop, but my sister has a PS4. We had so much fun playing through Jedi Fallen Order. We are waiting for the next one to come out on PS4. When done together, playing these games is about having an adventure and fellowship especially when you're super frustrated and can't beat a boss. <laughs> yeah, there's parallels too, Zach, between video gaming and sports gaming. And of course, there's a lot of sports video games as well. Uh, that's a leap I just can't quite understand. Look, if you're getting me into sports fandoms, go out and play sports. But I suppose a video game sports, sports is uh, just, game, yeah. yeah, that's just an extension of the whole uh, fantasy league uh, type treatment. Yeah, the, the one sports game I liked as a kid, was, I think it was the NBA Jam, where you could uh, you know, actually be on fire as you dunk. And there was all these cool, like kind of superhuman power. So superhuman bowl, yeah. I think is my favorite kind of bowl. If you're yeah. going to have a sports bowl of some kind, there you go. I love playing. I, I really wish I could have joined you for that episode, but I, I, I've had a lot of back and forth with video games, had a video game addiction, frankly, in college. And I had to delete and destroy the, the game in question. Uh, but you know, now is it, as a dad, I, I like to play Mario Kart, and my kids are uh, actually getting pretty good. My middle daughter can legitimately smoke me at it. Um, and then I'm recently playing Tears of the Kingdom, the Zelda game, and my younger two kids just like to watch me play because we're going on that adventure together. And, well, I should say they don't just watch me. They tell me everything to do. <laughs> so And I just kind of do whatever they tell me to do. So that's kind of fun to, to have that story unfold and in real time. And then... We also just love playing Minecraft as a whole family, except for Naomi. Naomi just didn't grow up with video games, so it's not her fandom. But we, uh, we've we been building this one little world in Minecraft for years now. And so that's that's really fun to return there and just go on this kind of open world uh, adventure together. The best kinds of games, whether they are video or physical, will bring people and fandoms together rather than dividing them apart Next on Fantastical Truth, that tis indeed the season for love and enchanted princesses and handsome princes and fairy tales and all that stuff. So we're going to emphasize the things we love this month on Fantastical Truth. 
frankly, it started out incidental. We had a couple episodes that just happened to have the word love in the title. And I realized, you know, let's just make that a theme for this month. So topics to be announced, but uh, let's see if we can stick to that theme as we celebrate the things we love, not so much the things that we dislike, even while we are engaging critically with uh, on-screen stories and the best kinds of stories that we find in books. Meanwhile, if you speak sports, you are welcome here, even on the Fantastical Truth podcast. We're going to try to reach out. We're going to understand you. No, we're not probably going to try out for you basketball team, because even if we're tall, it may not be our thing. But games are a human thing because our great God has made us to enjoy training and competing and hopefully even having friendly rivalries. That's our purpose here as we engage with stories and anything else that uh, reminds us of stories as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth.